Section 4 of Octavius by Minucius Felix, translated by John Henry Fries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 20 I have now stated the opinions of nearly all the most distinguished philosophers. They describe one God under different names, so that one might think either that the present-day Christians are philosophers, or that the early philosophers were Christians. But if the world is ruled by providence and governed by the will of a single God, we ought not to allow the ignorant men of antiquity, delighted or captivated by their fables, to hurry us into the mistake of agreeing with them. They are refuted by the opinions of their own philosophers, supported by the authority of reason and antiquity our ancestors were so ready to believe any lies that they even accepted without thinking such monstrous prodigies as silo with many bodies chimera of many shapes hydra ever growing again from its fruitful wounds centaurs like horse and rider grown together all the fictions of tradition were eagerly listened to what of those old wives fables of men being changed into birds and beasts into trees and flowers if such things had ever happened they would happen now but since they cannot happen now, they have never happened. Our ancestors were similarly mistaken in regard to the gods, thoughtless, credulous, uneducated, simple-minded. They were ready to believe anything. Their religious worship of their kings, their desire of seeing them in the form of images after their death, their eagerness to keep the memory of them alive in statues, caused what had originally been intended as a means of consolation to become objects of worship. Finally, before the world was thrown open to commerce, before the ritual and customs of the different nations were intermingled, each people revered its founder, or a famous commander, or a modest queen superior to her sex, or the inventor of some art or public boon, or a citizen worthy of remembrance. In this manner both the dead were rewarded, and an example was given to posterity. CHAPTER Twenty One read the writings of historians or philosophers you will find it as i say euhemerus maintains that men were deified as the reward of their services in war or peace he records the day of their birth the place where they were born and buried and locates them in different districts jupiter and dict apollo and delphi isis and pharos ceres and eleusis prodicus speaks of men admitted amongst the gods who as the result of their travels conferred great blessings upon mankind by the discovery of new fruits perseus pursues the same line of argument giving the same names to the fruits discovered and their discoverers just as the comic poet says venus without bacchus and ceres is cold the famous alexander the great of macedon in a remarkable letter to his mother asserts that the secret of men-made gods was revealed to him by a priest who was afraid of his own power he makes vulcan supreme and next to the family of jupiter saturn the head of this large family according to all the ancient greek and roman writers was a man the historians nepos and cassius are aware of this thallus and diodorus say the same this saturn a fugitive from crete in fear of his son's rage came to italy where he was hospitably received by janus in return being a paltry greek though a man of some culture he taught those untutored rustics many useful arts such as writing coinage and the manufacture of various implements he preferred that his retreat should be called latium 
since it had afforded him a safe hiding-place and he and janus have both handed down their name to posterity the one in that city saturnia the other in the janiculum certainly then he who was a fugitive and in hiding was a man the son of a man and the father of a man he was only said to be the son of earth and heaven because the italians did not know who his parents were just as to this day we speak of those who unexpectedly present themselves as if they were sent down from heaven but call those who are obscure and of ignoble birth sons of earth after the expulsion of saturn his son jupiter reigned in crete had sons there and died there the cave of jupiter can be seen his grave is still shown and his human nature is proved by the sacrifices offered him it would be a waste of time to go through all his descendants and to set forth the entire lineage of that family since the mortal nature that was established in the case of their first parents was communicated to the rest by mere order of succession but perhaps you make gods of them after their death just as romulus was deified by the perjury of proculus juba by the will of the moors and all the other deified kings who are placed amongst the gods rather to do honour to their reign than as a confirmation of their divine nature in fact the name is bestowed upon them against their will they would rather continue to be men they are afraid of becoming gods and in spite of their age do not wish to be deified the dead cannot become gods since a god cannot die nor can any who are born since everything that is born dies but that alone is divine which has neither beginning nor end for if gods were once born why are they not born now can it be that jupiter is too old that juno has become barren that minerva has grown grey before she has had a child is it not more probable that the supposed generation of gods has come to an end because fables of this kind are no longer believed moreover if the gods could have children but could not die the number of gods would exceed that of men in that case heaven could not contain them nor air hold them nor earth support them this proves that those gods were men of whom we read and know that they were born and died chapter twenty two no one can doubt then that the common people will supplicate and publicly worship the consecrated images of such men as long as the imagination and understanding of the ignorant is led astray by artistic beauty of style blinded by the glitter of gold deadened by the sheen of silver and the whiteness of ivory but if one calls to mind the instruments and machines used in fashioning every statue he will feel ashamed of being afraid of the material on which a workman has exercised his ingenuity to make it into a god for the god that is made of wood perhaps a piece of funeral pile or a gallows is hung up hewn chipped and planed the god of gold or silver is melted down from a dirty vessel as was often done by a king of egypt beaten with hammers and fashioned on the anvil the god of stone is hewn carved and polished by some vile wretch and is no more aware of the disgraceful nature of his birth than of the honour paid him by your veneration but perhaps you may say the stone wood or silver is not yet a god when then does it become one it is cast fashioned and carved but is not yet a god it is soldered put together and set up but still it is not a god it is bedecked consecrated and supplicated then at last it is a god since man willed it to be so and has declared it holy how much juster is the estimate of your gods shown in the natural instincts of dumb animals mice swallows hawks knowing that they cannot feel peck them tread on them perch upon them and in less driven away build nests even in the mouth of your god 
spiders spin their web over his face and suspend their threads from his head you wipe them clean them scrape them thus those whom you have yourselves made are both protected and dreaded by you not one of you remembers that he ought to know god before he worships him rashly eager to obey your elders you prefer to assent to the errors of others rather than trust yourself while knowing nothing about that which you dread thus in gold and silver is avarice consecrated thus the form of useless statues has been confirmed thus roman superstition has originated if you examine their rites how many are ridiculous how many even pitiable some run about naked during the cruel winter others walk about with felt caps on their heads carry round old shields beat drums carry the gods from street to street asking alms certain shrines may only be entered once a year some it is forbidden to enter at all to some men are refused admission and women are excluded from certain rites at certain ceremonies even the presence of a slave is a crime that calls for atonement some shrines are crowned by a woman who has had only one husband others by one who has had several and in some instances a woman who has on several occasions been guilty of adultery is religiously sought for would not the man who offers libations of his own blood and makes his wounds an occasion for supplication be better without any religion at all than with such a religion as that do not those who thus mutilate themselves insult the god whom they hope to propitiate if god wanted eunuchs he would create them not have them made it is easy to understand how half-insane foolish and wrong-headed persons fall into such absurdities and how those who go astray from the truth find mutual support in their very numbers in fact the large number of madmen is the excuse for the general madness chapter twenty three lastly consider the sacred rites and the mysteries themselves you will find that the history of these wretched gods is one of tragic ends deaths and burials sorrow and lamentation isis with her cynocephalus and shaven priests laments and wails seeking her son her wretched votaries beat their breasts and imitate the grief of the unhappy mother soon after the little one has been found isis rejoices the priests exult cynocephalus as the finder glories in his achievement thus year in year out they always lose what they find or find what they lose is it not absurd to weep for what one ought to worship or to worship what one ought to weep for yet these rites of egyptian origin are now practised in rome where you can play the fool with the swallow and rattle of isis and at the tomb of your serapis or osiris which is empty now that his limbs have been scattered abroad ceres with a lighted torch girdled with snakes full of care and anxiety searches for her daughter libera who was carried off during her wandering and dishonoured this is the meaning of the eleusinian mysteries and what are the rites of jupiter a goat is his nurse the child is removed to prevent his being devoured by his greedy father the tinkling cymbals of the caribans are loudly beaten that the father may not hear the child's cries again do not the very form and appearance of your gods show their ridiculous and disgraceful nature vulcan is lame and feeble apollo beardless in spite of his years while aesculapius although the son of the ever youthful apollo is full bearded neptune has gray eyes minerva blue juno those of an ox mercury has wings on his feet pan hooves saturn fetters janus has two faces so that he appears to be walking backwards diana as a huntress has her dress skirt up high at ephesus she is represented with a number of swelling breasts as trivia she is a dreadful being with three heads and many hands 
even your jupiter himself is sometimes represented as beardless in other places as bearded when he is called hammon he has horns as capitulinus he wields the thunderbolt as latiaris he is covered with blood as Feretrius he is no longer heard of not to waste time over all these jupiters i will merely say that he has as many monstrous forms as names origone hanged herself that she might shine amongst the stars as the virgin castor and pollux die alternately that both may live Aesculapius is struck by lightning that he may rise a god hercules is consumed by fire on mount Ida to divest himself of his mortal nature chapter twenty four all these fables and delusions we learn from ignorant parents and what is worse improve upon them as the result of our own training and studies especially the works of the poets whose authority has been exceedingly prejudicial to the cause of truth for this reason plato was quite right to exclude the famous poet homer whom he had loaded with praise and garlands from the model state set up by him in his dialogue the republic for it was homer in particular who in his story of the trojan war made your gods take part in human affairs and actions although certainly he was only joking set pairs of them fighting represented venus wounded mars fettered wounded and put to flight he tells us how jupiter was set free by briarius who prevented his being bound by the rest of the gods how he wept for his son sarpedon with tears of blood since he could not save him from death according to another poet hercules has to carry away dung and apollo tends the flocks of admetus neptune built walls for laomedon and the unlucky builder received no pay for his work elsewhere again we read of the forging of the thunderbolt of jove and the arms of aeneas on an anvil although the sky thunder and lightning were in existence long before jupiter was born in crete and a cyclops could no more imitate the flashes of the real thunderbolt than jupiter could help fearing it why need i speak of mars and venus caught in open adultery and the shameful passion of jupiter for ganymede which received divine sanction all these stories have been put forward to provide a certain justification for human vices by these and similar even more attractive fictions and lies the minds of boys are corrupted they grow up to the prime of life with the same stories deeply rooted in their minds and reach old age miserable wretches that they are still of the same opinion although the truth is easy to find if only they will seek for it chapter twenty five but according to you it was just this superstition that gave the romans their empire increased it and set it on a firm footing since their strength lay not so much in their valour as in their religion and dutiful conduct towards the gods everybody knows that roman justice so remarkable and world-renowned came into being while the infant empire was still in its cradle at the very outset were not the romans drawn together by crime was not the growth of their power due to the immunity afforded by dread of their cruelty the original romans gathered together in an asylum to which had flocked numbers of desperate men criminals lewd fellows cutthroats and traitors and romulus himself their leader and commander to surpass his people in crime killed his own brother such were the first beginnings of this religious state soon afterwards they carried off ridiculed and violated young women from other states already betrothed and promised to a husband and even married women an unparalleled insult to crown all they made war upon their own fathers-in-law and shed the blood of relatives what could have been more impious more audacious more disgraceful than this shameless crime 
the result was that the other kings and later rulers like romulus made it their common practice to drive out their neighbors from their territory to overthrow the states nearest to them together with their temples and altars to drive them into captivity to grow greater by robbing others and by their own crimes thus all the territory that the romans now hold cultivate and occupy has been acquired by barefaced theft the temples have all been built with the proceeds of the spoils of war the destruction of cities the murder of priests the plundering of the gods it is an insult and a mockery to serve the gods of the conquered to take them captive and after defeating them to offer them homage to worship what one has taken by main force is to consecrate sacrilege not gods thus the roman triumphs always involved offences against religion all trophies won from other nations were so many robberies from the gods the truth is that the romans owed their greatness not to piety but to sacrilege that went unpunished for they could not have looked for assistance in their wars from the gods against whom they had taken up arms but whom they did not begin to worship until they had triumphed over them but what can those gods of yours do for the romans seeing that they were powerless to defend their own people against your arms we know the native gods of rome romulus picus tiburnius consus polumnus volumnus Cloacina was invented and her worship introduced by Tatius, Pavor, Fear, and Pallor, Paleness, by Hostilius. Soon afterwards Phoebus was deified by someone unknown, such as the foster-mother of this city, superstition, diseases, and infirmities. Surely Acca Laurentia and Flora, two shameful harlots, must be reckoned amongst the diseases as well as amongst the deities of the Romans. Of course, it was these gods who overcame the resistance of the gods worshipped by other nations, and enlarged the Roman Empire. For Thracian Mars, Cretan Jupiter, Argive Samian or Phoenician Juno, Tauric Diana, the Aedean Mother, or those Egyptian gods, or rather monsters, certainly never assisted you against their own worshippers. But perhaps your maidens were more chaste, your priests holier. Have not many of the Vestals been punished for immorality, while others have escaped by mere good luck? are not your temples haunts of vice managed by the priests and yet before the romans existed by divine dispensation assyrians medes persians even greeks and egyptians long ruled over mighty empires although they had no priests arval brethren soli vestals or augurs no chickens shut up in a cage by whose acceptance or rejection of their food the destinies of the state were decided chapter twenty six I now come to those auspices and auguries, of which you have so laboriously collected examples to prove that neglect of them always brings regret, their observance good fortune. No doubt Claudius and Flaminius and Junius lost their armies because they did not think it worth while to wait until the chickens began to feed greedily. What about Regulus? Did he not observe the auguries, and yet was taken prisoner? Mancinus showed due respect for religion, and yet was given up to the enemy and sent under the yoke paulus also found the chickens very greedy but was defeated at cannae with the greater part of his army gaius caesar although the auguries and auspices were against his crossing to africa before winter paid no attention to them and the result was that his voyage was more favourable and his victory speedier and what and how much shall i tell you about the oracles amphiaras predicted what was to happen after his death but did not know that he would be betrayed by his wife for the sake of a necklace the blind Tiresias, who could not see the present, saw the future. Aeneas invented the answers of the Pythian Apollo about Pyrrhus, although the god had long before that ceased to deliver oracles in verse, for his cautious and ambiguous oracle was no longer credited when men began to be better educated and less credulous. 
demosthenes also being aware that the oracular responses were mere inventions complained that the pythian priestess was a philippicer sometimes however auspices or oracles have hit the truth and amidst a host of lies chance may seem to have played the part of design nevertheless i will attempt to unearth and bring into the light of day the source of that error and perverseness the origin of all the present obscurity there exist certain wandering unclean spirits who have lost their heavenly activities from being weighed down by earthly passions and disorders so then these spirits burdened with sin and steeped in vice who have sacrificed their original simplicity being themselves lost unceasingly strive to destroy others as a consolation for their own misfortune depraved themselves they strive to communicate error and depravity to others estranged from god they strive to alienate others by the introduction of vicious forms of religion poets know these spirits as demons philosophers discuss their existence and socrates recognized it by avoiding or pursuing a certain course of action in accordance with the will and command of the demon who was always by his side the magi also are not aware of the existence of demons but all their pretended miracles are the work of these spirits by their inspiration and influence they perform jugglers tricks causing things which do not exist to appear and things which do exist to disappear hostines the chief of these magi by reason of his eloquence and performances renders to the true god the homage that he deserves he also recognizes that the angels that is servants and messengers guard the throne of god and stand by his side to worship terrified and trembling at a sign or look from their master hostines has also told us of earthly demons wandering spirits the enemies of mankind does not plato who thought it hard to find god find it easy to tell of angels and demons does he not in the dialogue symposium even attempt to define their nature he assumes that it is a substance midway between mortal and immortal substance that is between body and spirit an admixture or compound of the heaviness of earth and the lightness of heaven from this he tells us love is fashioned penetrates the human heart excites the senses creates the passions and inspires the ardor of desire End of section four.